Lone Wolf, my tribute to a kindred spirit. Shabbat Shalom, and welcome to another episode of A Christian Voice. On December 29th, 2014, a dear friend passed out of his earthly body and into eternity with God. He was 91 years out of the womb and was diagnosed a few years ago with congenital heart failure. The purpose of the show is not to share my grief at the temporary parting, but to celebrate the man he was among us. Not a perfect man, though now perfected in heaven. Just a sinner, saved by grace. That may be trite, but it's no less than true. A flawed human being, like the rest of us, in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. Often falling short, always repenting, turning away from the failures of sin and back to God's loving open arms. I met him over five years ago. I had just moved to a new city with my then teenager. We quickly found a good Bible preaching church to attend. Every church has at least one character, right? He was ours. Thing is, I'm also one. We clicked right away. As soon as he spoke that first day, I knew I had met a rarity. Someone both intelligent and learned. Now, there are many people who have a great deal of knowledge. They lack the wisdom to properly understand and apply. There are also many people of natural intelligence that lack the desire to apply it to learning, especially in this particular state, where people as a whole are averse to knowledge. They truly seem to fear it. What was known by their distant ancestors is quite enough for them, thank you, regardless whether anything at all was actually known. Learning is change, and change is bad. My good friend had intelligence coupled with knowledge. He was indeed a wise man. His wisdom came from God, from his word in the Holy Bible. The first thing we bonded over was our firm determination to remain bachelors. Yes, I do know that's a strictly male term, but it became our mutual amen. As soon as I could make him understand that it was really true of a woman. As he observed my evasive tactics, he recognized a master of the craft. Unlike him, however, I had been settled in the past. Hilarious term for my disastrous excuse for a brief marriage. Settled. Still, that placed me in a solid position to judge which of the two states rendered one happier. Single. I can always fall back on Jesus himself, who said that it was better for a man or a woman not to marry. He went on to say, For a woman will look to the things of her household, rather than the things of God. He wasn't making a blanket statement that married women can't, or don't, love or follow him. Just that we do tend to lose ourselves in our families. Which is right and proper. It's how he made us. It's just not as glorious a calling is being set apart solely for the work and will of our great God. How disappointed my friend would have been if he had known my resolve was weakening in this area. But my love will probably remain one-sided, and I'll weather the battle as I do every other, by God's unfailing grace. I'll probably meet him in heaven quite single still. My friend loved nature, not in the green or tree-hugging sense, in the what-a-marvelous-world-our-kind-creator-has-given-us-to-enjoy way. In the hiking, fishing, exploring, and using-as-God-intended way. 
He thrived being outdoors. He knew this state like I know my kitchen. He once told me I had not been to the mountain because I hadn't been on or heard of a certain trail we had planned on going together on that mythical someday. He was also a beekeeper. It broke his heart when his stay in a nursing home lasted too long and he had to give them away. He was a strong defender of bees and their important place in the world. He tried hard to interest me, but I am too much of a coward in some areas. The thickest, one-piece, custom, body-molded, steel suit in the world couldn't convince me to be calm with a bee crawling on me, much less numerous bees. <laughs> I learned a lot about them nonetheless, about their care, their varieties, the habits and customs of bees, about the types of honeys and their origins, of the healthful benefits of the different products bees make, when and how to eat honeycomb, bee pollen and its uses, and on. He was a proponent of American ingenuity and self-sufficiency. No, he didn't live in a cabin in the woods without modern conveniences. What he did do was study, and apply, the best ways to live on this earth. He appreciated what God has created for our diet, for our healing, for our well-being. He knew the best herbs, flowers, and foods to eat for just about everything. He also knew locally where to find things growing wild. The last thing I learned from him, a few days before he went, was the best place to find watercress. He was wanting to begin research into exactly why it will only grow in certain pure streams and never in still waters. We touched on the truth of living waters, which is a spiritual parallel. What a blessing to be able to learn so many things from him. There is so much that passed away with him, though. I wish I had been proactive and written down even a fraction of what that man knew. <clears throat> he was also very humble. He never stopped researching, growing, learning. He didn't appreciate what a wealth of information he already possessed. One thing about my friend, which I don't see too often, and always appreciate when I find, he was timeless, ageless. I have told you he was 91. That was just his body. If you were blind, or could be for a moment, and just listen to him, there is no way you could guess his age. It's only the body that ages. Yes, the mind matures, but that is according to the amount we feed it. It is also according to the diet we feed it. Like our bodies, if we feed our minds on the purity God intended, we will have a strong, active, healthy mind. If we feed it garbage, we're creating mental couch potatoes fit for nothing, growing only horizontally, fat, and never growing vertically, never growing up. There's a constancy in people who don't seem to age. They simply seem to be who they have always been, who they truly are. Not conforming, but neither are they fighting. I have entirely too much fight in me, and I hope it keeps mellowing until there is truly no struggle left. Not sinking into passivity, goodness no, but rather standing unapologetically upon my own character. Which, of course, is why one is viewed as a character to begin with. My friend served proudly in the United States Army. He was in World War II and brought home two bronze stars. I can remember his stories of carrying rocket launchers through the steaming tropical jungles. 
there are more regrets of uncaptured treasures of wisdom. Living history that is being erased so fast. It shocks me in my kinder moments. How much disinformation is being pumped into our heads. It all leads to the hatred of our military. One of the proudest and strongest in the world. Even now, even with politics run riot and that lovely term, military-industrial complex. Men like my dear friend are still serving, still not a willing or active part of any such thing, but are serving where needed. Men like my son and women. He was faithful. Another trait that's vanishing fast. Another thing I hope can be said about me when I've gone home. If he said he would be somewhere, do something, it was a given. He was there. It was done. That's why. The night before he was found lying in his living room on the floor, I was concerned about his not being in prayer meeting. Someone had spoken to him that day and he was planning to come. No one with a car was concerned enough to check that night. He was found the next day, alive, but very weak and confused. He was rushed to the hospital and treated for a heart attack. He never returned to his beloved home. The rest of his life was spent in rehabs and nursing homes as his body continued to wear out. Above all, my friend was a Christian. He lived his life in the service of the good Lord. Even though he was very much a lone wolf, he always set himself aside to serve and care for others. He ran the audio system at our church. Another love we shared, technology. I became a backup and was privileged to be able to sit with him during many services running the equipment. He was also delighted. He had never met a woman before that had shown any interest. The aforementioned fear of knowledge. But I'm not from that state. In fact, when the need was announced during Bible study, he was the only one who took me seriously in wanting to fill it. Without his support, it never would have happened. Not that running a soundboard with three whole mics is at all difficult, mind you. But the pastor, even though a young man, tried everything he could to dissuade me. He was willing to train a ten-year-old boy before allowing me to push the buttons. He just couldn't wrap his mind around a female being able to utilize simple machines. I wanted so many times to ask him whether we were allowed to drive yet. But my sweet friend gently challenged him by issuing me an open invitation to come upstairs and give it a go the very next Sunday, where I remained as long as I attended there. He taught the boys Sunday school for many years. I have been delighted many times during my visits to him in the nursing homes to meet so many of the men whose lives he touched. Testimony after testimony about his love, care, gentle guidance, and strong godly example. He was a deacon in the church. Up to the day he went into the hospital for the first time, he worked with his own two hands on our 100-year-old building. <clears throat> Excuse me. Keeping it up, fixing what broke, and helping everywhere. One ministry he took upon himself was visitation. By the time I started attending that church, it had dwindled to a handful of elderly people. My friend was the only one that visited visitors like myself, who ended up staying three years. Those who were unable to come, and those who had previously attended, but moved on for different reasons. 
Every Saturday, I could expect to hear his old mini-truck think original, not street racing, with its faded, chipped paint job, and see him glide to a stop on my curb from the wrong lane. He never parked in the driveway, though I didn't have a car, but always parked on the street like a visitor. He would bravely try to win the affection of my unloving favorite dog. He even brought treats to try and bribe her. She would snatch his treats and gobble them down, still growling. But nothing would stop him from coming and enjoying a few hours visiting. It was a joy to be able to return his visits when he was in need of them. Wherever he went, my dear friend was a light and a witness for Jesus. He would share so openly and naturally. After the first few months, he turned his focus from returning home to sharing Jesus where he was at. It was wonderful to see that self-denial lived out. He was never antisocial. He just enjoyed the sanctuary of his own home, his property, his increasingly unique lifestyle. He missed his garden and his bees. He missed his strictly natural diet. He missed his fresh water. He regretted being forced to eat white bread, processed sugar. He mourned vegetables that had the nutrition cooked out of them. He preferred his foods whole and raw. He didn't care much for red meats or even white. My understanding of his food hierarchy was fruits and vegetables first, whole grains and legumes in moderation next, then fish, then some white meats, followed lastly by the rest of the meat chain. Dairy was in there as a side to all, never as a main concern, it seemed. So to see him set aside his own needs, to show a positive attitude to the staff and other residents, was a beautiful testimony. Oh, we would discuss things privately, but he was careful to be delicate around others. He would graciously admit that he needed some help to get back on his feet. He would regret the way he had to live and eat, the diet, the forced lack of what he considered true exercise that was replaced with physical therapy. But he always yielded quietly to what was given to him or required of him. The last aide I spoke to told me she was going to miss his bright smile and his upbeat attitude. He always finds something to be happy about. He will be missed here, she said. We as Christians don't cry for those gone before us. I myself know with a certainty that heaven is a place of indescribable beauty and perfection. That my dear friend is with a dearer friend, the friend who died for him that there is much rejoicing and worshiping going on right now. But we are still here, and we weep for ourselves. We weep for those small things we should have said or done, sometimes even for things that seem large to us right now. But they are truly not even a thought any longer for him. The former things have indeed passed away for him. He is in the glorious presence of Elohim himself. I am sad for the parting of two lone wolves who crossed paths and spent some happy days wandering near each other. I am grateful for those days. I am assured our paths shall cross again. What about you? Are you assured of your eternity? If not, come today and join us through faith in Jesus, God's only begotten Son, and the ransom he gave for your life your eternal life. He paid for your sin as well as ours, 
with his very blood, God in a body. Who else would or could do that for you? Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable hour. Choose this day who you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I hope our paths cross some day in heaven, yours and mine. The following song is my cover of a beautiful piece by Bill Darden titled Finally Home. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2015, A Christian 